Welcome to Crime on Primetime. I'm your host, Kinsey Huseman, and I'm here with my two best friends. Malik. And Taylor. What's up, guys? How was, how was the Father's Day weekend? It was nice. Like I just told y'all, I got hurt on the river. Yeah, it must be nice getting that three-day, three-week-day weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tell your job. I did not, Kenzie. I had to work today. Listen, my company is from is based in Europe. I don't think they have that holiday in Europe. And tell them you got some dark family. You got to go visit. <laughs> so Taylor, how was your weekend? <laughs> <laughs> it was really good. I mean, he was in San Antonio. Yeah, uh, celebrating the father-in-law. They're good to be in Um, not father-in-law. No, no, no. <laughs> mm, close enough. But, That's crazy. Me and Taylor okay. were right next to each other for a good amount of time. Because I just, Angelus, Blanco, Oh, yeah, right there. I drove through there. I think it's pronounced Blanco. See, Jason said the same thing, and I really think it's not Blanco. I'm pretty sure it's Blanco. In in Spanish, it's Blanco. I was about to say, I feel like, yeah, the Texans that aren't Spanish-speaking probably call it Blanco. I'm from Blanco, Texas. It's just like we say San Angelo. It's not the Spanish. That's not how it's supposed to be said, but we say San Angelo. We say San Antonio. How is San Antonio? How do you say San Angelo? The correct way. I'm pretty sure it's sign on hello. With the yeah, you're. Oh, that was good. That was really good, Malik. Uh, guys, don't do that. But he calls it Blanco. Yeah, and then you say Blanco. Hey, man. I'm. Hey, the people in Blanco call him Blanco as well. So and they're probably white too. Yeah. 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 Until someone tells me otherwise that says Blanco, then I'm just keep calling it Blanco. I mean, I feel like the whole Spanish language is telling you it's Blanco, but what do I Just know? for y'all, I'm going to rope someone who speaks Spanish into saying it this week, and I'll let y'all know what they say. Yeah, I need I need a, a report back. Be like, y'all ever been in that town, you know, right outside San Antonio? It's the like, color for white. Like Blaine or something? Yeah. <laughs> Plain no, because if you say the color for white, they're gonna say Blanco. Okay, wait. The yeah. color for white. You mean <laughs> we mean the word for white? The color. Oh yeah. Did you hear that? Say I know <laughs> the color for. But you just went head first in with a yeah. The color for white. But we knew what we were talking about. White is white. <laughs> we knew what we were talking about. I would have never caught that, ever. No. Yeah. That would have just flown over our head, and then we would have posted it, and then, again, everyone would have thought we were idiots. <laughs> What's new? I know. But every week, I feel like we make ourselves sound dumber and dumber. Stupid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Malik. Do you have a question for us? Mm-hmm. So... If you were choosing to be the first human to make contact with aliens, would you want to? One week, Malik, I just want you to ask me what my favorite song is or something, man. You're asking me all these deep, introspective questions. 
I'm trying to get the juices falling, man. Um, no, I would not make contact with it. Hell no, I'm not. I've seen the alien movies, Independence Day. But what if they're like, they're like real cool, you know? And How would you know? Like, I don't know. You guess you got to vibe it out. And That's a like really hard question. For Earth. I don't want to be the liaison for Earth. And they're like showing you all this cool shit, and they like make you super smart. I don't know. Maybe they, they I don't know, give you powers or something, or what we think is powers is normal. Then they just give it to you, and now you're you're a badass or something. So I'm assuming your answer would be yes. Me, I think I'd have to risk it for the biscuit. I feel like Malik always poses these questions in the way you already know what his answer is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like because I think I, I, I'm very curious, but I'm also like, um, that's scary. Like, what are they gonna do to me? Like, what? Oh, I see. I don't know. Fifty-fifty. See, answer? I, I don't know. I'm perfectly content in being mundane and letting someone else take care of that. Yeah, and like the whole idea of aliens really freaks me out. Like hearing these like sightings and reportings it's something i don't i say i don't believe in because it's easier to do that than be scared to think the other way yeah Yeah. but what if they're like like how people say the the aliens quote unquote could just be like us but just more advanced somewhere else but But we don't know that hey man someone's gotta bite the bullet all I'm saying, I'll, I'll take the chance of being anally probed, and I'll, I'll go out there. Did oh you just say anally probed? <laughs> I thought that's what they do. I can be wrong. I think there's so, been yeah, we did quote reports that that's what they do, right? Like people saying that's what happened to them. I think they said it in Men in Black, but who knows? I think there's been real reports of people that were like, I was abducted by aliens and they anally probed me. They rotted them. Yeah. I just like, I don't know, given the world's history, like, let's go back in history. We, the countries were freaking, freaking conquering each other and we were on the same planet. I mean, you know that as a world, if we were to go to outer space and find another inhabitable planet, we'd conquer that bitch so fast. So what's stopping them from conquering us? I mean, just given the world's history, um, going into a new land and being peaceful and being like, hey, what can you teach me? It has not ever happened in, in the history of the Earth, I'm pretty sure. So, And especially if they are more developed than us. Yeah, like, that's scary to think about what they could do to us. I'm just saying it's never happened. They're, they got it all figured out. No, They got, what's it called? Um, renewable energy. Is that what it is? I have no like idea. Natural energy, whatever. You know, like how we depend on oil and stuff. Yeah, renewable. It runs out. Yeah, renewable. Oh, did like you say got... renewable? Yeah, renewable. I did not. That's not. No, that's the. I don't know. Maybe I just heard it wrong. But I thought you said almost like Chernobyl or something. I was like, I don't know. They could have Chernobyl. Chernobyl. (laughs) But I don't know. I I assume that's. I feel like that stems a lot of conflict in human history, not having proper resources. But maybe they've got that figured out, and it takes takes care of a lot of the problems. 
you know? But it's not even just proper. We just go, we could have all the resources we want, but if someone has more resources or better resources, we're still going after. I mean, but also I feel like it's the thing of like, uh, maybe I'm just thinking of the U.S. I don't know. Maybe it's the earth, but like they could be peaceful and we're going to do something to fuck up that peace. Like, let's let's just run one experiment and then we're going to piss them off. They could not even be the instigators and we would still instigate it and piss them off. But that's even more reason to be one of like the first people to meet them. Then you get on their good side and they're like, hey, we're going to kill everyone. But like you and then whoever you pick to come with you. Because, you know, you, were you the have to get on the good side. Off. Yeah, you got to get on the good side. But then I feel like you have to fight the government and then and the government's just going to be like, OK, let's take this person out. Hey, just know as soon as I hear something bad from our side. Oh, I'm telling and I'm going over there and I'm not coming back. I'm like, hey, man, they're trying to fuck this up. I'm staying with you guys. Y'all have at it. Without, hesita- <laughs> without hesitation, I'm turning on the world. I don't no loyalties to the human race. As soon as they sound like they're, well, let's just go take all the alien stuff. Nope, not me. They're, they like me. Or hear me out. You just stay out of it completely. That's what I would do. Hey, man, but then what <laughs> happens when we screw them over and then they come down here and they eradicate us? You can I ha- be one of the good ones. I don't know, man. Uh, <laughs> I'll be one of the mini. Uh, Taylor just accepts your fate. I do. That's how we go. That's how we go. I, I think so. I'm right there with Taylor. Maybe me and Taylor can hold hands walking into our fate. I will gladly hold your hand. <laughs> All right. With that, with this. I, this picture-perfect ending of me and Taylor holding hands as Malik flies away in the alien spaceship as the world comes to an end. Are y'all ready to jump into a recap of this week's episode? criminal And let me tell you, it was an interesting one. I like this. I never seen it. Mind. Okay. At all? Nope. This was your first interview. You dive like head first into the criminal minds because this, craziness. yeah. Oh, um, I, I wasn't paying enough attention, or if it was just I was so into it. But I definitely started another episode without realizing the episode I was watching. And you just kept watching. It happens to the best of us. Let me tell you, it was hard to take notes on this because I feel like I know criminal minds maybe even better than I know SVU. So the whole time, I didn't want to take notes because I was like, well, yeah, we all know what happened. And then I'm like, okay, wait. We all don't know what happened. Not everybody. Yeah. But after the first I do remember this episode. Yeah. I've definitely seen it probably uh, four times. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so we watch Criminal Minds, Season 10, Episode 1, X. The letter X. It takes place in Bakersfield, California. Malik, they do that every episode. They write a little, they write where it takes place at. At the beginning. So you always know where you're at. What city? Okay. Who let this kid play in the desert was my first thought. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere. Like, I get, like, going out and exploring. But he's, like, out there in no man's land. What if he gets, what if he passes out or he's dehydrated? He's toast. Yeah, where's his parents? Who knows that he's out in the desert right now? 
Like I'm good at with my kid exploring, but how about not in the desert? Maybe buy a body of some or bring some water with you or something's got a stick. Well, what about like rattlesnakes, man? That's where they thrive. The desert's a dangerous place. It is. No, I would never let my kid play in a desert. You want to play in sand? I'll build you a sandbox. Okay, that kid has to be traumatized. And then I wrote, fuck, I hate dismembering episodes. Yeah, this is going to be a tough one for me, but I feel like I've done enough research that I've gotten used to dismembering. They freak me out. Oh, I hate it. Do you? They make me sick to my stomach. Especially this one. And you will alone. They just, ugh. They don't bother you? No. Unless it's just, like, blood spilling out of the body parts. If they're clean cuts, it doesn't bother me. It makes me think of, like, those little, like, dolls or whatever. Yeah, this didn't show all the gruesomeness of dismembering. Yeah. Okay, so... I wrote, it's definitely child pornography. Oh, when Kate was, like, with that, flirting with that guy, and he took her back to her place and was showing her pictures. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so this was hard for me because I didn't want to say, hey, Kate, because I was like, oh, I guess, like, for people that haven't seen it, this... Looks she, like it could be her victim or something. Yeah, yeah. Also, I didn't know that was um, Jennifer Love Hewitt. I didn't either. Well, I guess I've never seen it, so I wouldn't know. Stupid. I I had never, I guess, never seen Jennifer Love Hewitt, but it was one of those names that I was like, I know that she was very famous in the 90s and early 2000s. She was hot. You don't forget one of those. Okay. I'm glad she that's... very beautiful. I yeah. will give her that. She stands out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. They would kind of be a cute couple. Oh, I was talking about Reed and Kate when they were in the elevator. In the elevator, like, yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Kate wasn't already married, she would be good for Reed. Then I wrote, I miss Garcia Morgan banter and their relationship. This is really just, my notes are just me reminiscing about how much I miss Criminal Minds. I don't remember liking Kate's personality this much. I, I, feel like... I don't think it stood out as much. Um, I think she goes on you every time. Because the other characters are built to like stand out a little bit more. And so I think the more we watch it, we actually, like, pay attention to, like, the other people and their personalities, too. Yeah. And if I think that makes sense. You know, that makes sense. And I think it it helps that, like, usually when we watch it, we binge from the beginning. So we're seeing all of the same characters for the most part. But then when you get, like, new characters, you're like, oh, I don't like them as much. Like, I have, I'm loyal to these. You're like, like the, yeah. Yeah. But watching it independently, it made you, like, focus more on Kate. Think about it differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The Mad Butcher of Bakersfield, that's kind of a good nickname. I don't know if I'd say good. But. (laughs) Okay, but it has to be one of the better nicknames of a killer. It kind of of rings. Mm Mm-hmm. Sure. What do you say? Okay, this round table is too fast, but what I put together is there is DNA. 
I'm guessing from semen on the body. Also, how horrifying is it that the victims are still alive for this torture? And he keeps the limbs as trophies. At this yeah, point, okay. that's what we know. I feel like that's like the worst form of torture is cutting someone up oh, yeah. while they're still alive. Unless they're just super doped up the whole time. But I feel like if they're even awake, even not nah, screw, screw that. Even if you're doped up. Even if you are scream, doped up. Yeah. 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 Uh, I could not imagine the am- amount of pain. And then what they had to go through it for four times. You have four limbs. Oh, oof. Uh, yeah. Also, Criminal Minds had like a lot of details about the profile of the suspect. I'm just gonna hit the highlights because I didn't feel like writing all every single detail around. Okay, first apology. This is my this is my first apology for the horrifying episode choice, even though it's random. I I watched this episode. Or I started this, and all I could think about was that I have to describe this episode, and my parents listen to this podcast. <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Oh, so he's a normal fucking dude, of course. When they showed the dad with his kid, and you're like, oh, that's the dude. And then I wrote, in all caps, a leg fetish? A leg fetish? What the fuck? He had a leg fetish. I do not understand I, fetishes. For I, I paused this show. But especially I, a leg fetish. I paused the show. Dude, I was what? really. I paused the show. When he was like staring at the leg, I was like, really, dude? Out of all things, a, a leg. This isn't even like the weirdest <laughs> thing on like, Criminal Minds. This isn't even the weirdest thing on Criminal Minds. No, definitely not. But then, like, later on, the wife is saying that when they were dating, he came to the store and he was, like, rubbing up on a mannequin leg. Oh, Ew. That's so gross. A leg fetish. That's almost worse than the, I don't know. But that's, like, a guy... I mean, I, I get that guys are, like, she has nice legs. I feel like this Not is more... to that extent. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely more. Justin loved legs. Shout out to Justin. Oh, yeah. He loved long legs. <laughs> Does he have a leg fetish? I I don't know. He would say he loves long legs all the time. Listen, I I'm not judging those that have a leg fetish as long as the leg is attached to a person and you're not soliciting it online and just having a human leg in your garage. That's the weird part. <laughs> so a transient or a high risk person question mark that's who they think like the victims are maybe Mm -hmm. the victim profile male and female victims but only seem or male so there's one male and two female victims but only semen on the female victims so the male was not done for sexual motives um okay the victims had leather in their stomachs this is all we're finding all this out with the Emmy. Also, they will know I'm a runner by my per- permanent sports world tan lines. Oh, she said that the Emmy said that they're like this person was probably in shape. They have sports world tan lines, and I was like, I'm glad my sports world tan lines are gonna come in handy one day because I will never be able to get rid of them. 
So either medical person or butcher or hunter by the way he cuts his victims. I feel like every time there's a dismembering episode, they're like, okay, it's a medical person, a butcher, or a hunter. No other person apparently cuts people up. Their go-to, I guess. They're like, let's just, let me go to what I know. Okay. Dude, this guy is good with the breast implants. Oh, because he cut out the breast implants, so you wouldn't be able to identify her. That, that's pretty good. No identifiers. I forgot about that. Yeah, that was really smart on his part. So they know he's a smart dude. Yeah. I mean, whoever it is, yeah. At least you know if they have... Very organized. I feel like he probably touched them, and there's a difference, yeah, I would think, cool between... I, I've yeah. never touched the pair of implants. I thought there were great ones, and I thought there were not-so-great ones. I thought the great ones, you're not supposed to be able to know the difference. They're just a great, great rack for you. But who knows? <laughs> I've never I've never touched a pair. If it ever I'm... happens, I'll, I'll let you guys know. I doubt it now. <laughs> I, yeah, I can't say I've touched a pair of fake of breast implants either um so i i don't know the answer to that taylor have you maybe encountered a pair <laughs> maybe <laughs> well we'll get a rod on that for the week Touch no, a pair i've never encountered a pair of breast real or not and get back to us put a rod on that mission he's uh revisiting dump sites and that's when he jerks off so we have a victim's name, but that doesn't really seem like help. Um, Narrow down possible two suspects based on the fact that they ordered a silica gel and have basement. See, I feel like I've skipped a lot, but there's so much information being thrown at you that it's not, and it's not like sequential. It's like, oh, we learned this and now we went and talked to this person and then we learned this and now we like some of the like NCIS this is like, here's a whole bunch of information, and we're just going to wrap it up together in a bow at the end. So I did not catch all the information. Okay. What do you think the kid thinks of his dad? Okay, so when the dad was, like, going to do his little thing with the leg, and his kid walks in, and his dad freaked out, do you think his kid, do you think the kid thinks his dad loves him? Or do you think he hates his dad? I don't know. And also, I kind of feel like the kid already saw him before, like, sniffing the leg or whatever he does with the leg. Because kids are nosy. Like, I know if I was that kid, my dad's going off to the garage and he's not building shit or anything. He's just going out there and coming back. I'm, I'm like, I'm going to peek through the window or something. I'm going to figure it out. So I, I feel like, like this kid already knew. Or I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it... In my opinion, I don't know if he knew about the leg, but I feel like he had some indicators. Like, I think my dad's a little weird. That's a little strange. Okay. Don't you hate when the FBI ruins your sexy time with a leg? <laughs> Wrote about them knocking on his door. Well, he was definitely not cool, calm, or collected when Kate and Rossi were asking him questions. He he so, thought he was. He thought he was slick. And then I, I yeah, no. But I will pull the same thing. I feel like if the cops ever came knocking, just to be honestly, just probably be an asshole. I don't know if they like asked to come search my house, and I'd tell them no unless they had a warrant. 
just because being an asshole for whatever reason. I mean, it is your right. But you have to lose, you're already going to get in trouble. I mean, yeah. You're, like, legally allowed to that. Well, oh, wait, no. This guy is an idiot. Did he really think he deceived the FBI with that act? He thought he was good. And then I wrote, can you imagine being the guy's wife? Nope. Not at all. I can't. I can't. Yeah. So apparently there's a word for it. Acrotomophilia. Acrotomophilia. And then the lady was like, stop. I don't want to know more. And I was like, wait a second. I kind of want to know more. Like, is it sexual arousal to limbs? Is it specific to legs? I need answers. Did you look it up? No, I just wrote that. I just wrote that I needed answers. I was about to say, I don't know anything into it. (laughs) Did JJ just ask if the wife suspected anything? How could you suspect this? But then the wife had an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I could have been like real life. I'm like, there's no way you had an answer to that. There's no way that you would be like hear this like devastating news and then be like well you know what my husband did have a thing (laughs) he makes it sound like no big deal no i didn't kill them i just bought their limbs (sighs) what's wrong with that yeah like sir these are dead people's limbs that you bought at the black market so an online market for body parts but like not for normal reasons. Like, I feel like there's, like, the black market. Like, people sell kidneys for kidney transplants. Yeah. Or there's, they'll sell body parts for those that need it medically. I feel like this is not that. I mean, obviously, no, like, that. No, it's for pleasure. Don't say it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. That one lost. Okay. For I'm- pleasure. <laughs> unsub is a single white male 30 to 40 living in isolation was abused lost a job lack of social skills but smart all all also deranged i feel like that that you, you know i feel like i didn't have to be a profiler to put all that together pretty standard stuff i felt like i would have started with deranged he snapped because of rejection, and therefore he's like, I've got to go cut someone's body up. Absolutely terrifying. Like, a thing from a nightmare. Okay, so this is when he, like, carried that woman in, and she woke up while he was dropping her down. Oh, this is a nightmare. I can only imagine what that guy's search history is. Oh, because they were going through the lake fetish guy, his search history. Can you imagine the things he's looking up on the internet he probably has a bunch of snippets of like just legs he's got like Cameron Diaz's legs just a, a crop picture that he got from Google do you think they make porn for this fetish they probably do we'll have A-Rot look into that <laughs> um oh so he's an acrotomophile 
two, whatever that means. The unsub also is a karatama file. A new word I've learned. Feel smart. So he's just always been comfortable with dead bodies because he grew up around them. That's normal. But if he has no social skills, how can he be a professor? Because they had this whole thing of like, oh no, he might work at a hospital, but he would be a janitor because he has no social skills. And then they're like, he's a professor! Like, I feel like that's also social skills. His house decor is literally anatomy things. If you saw it when they busted in, there was like just the picture of the skeletons and the blood vessels and all and the bones all over his house. I did see that. Yeah. Like, how obsessed do you have to be with the human body? Oh, I looked up that word for you, Kenzie. I did see obsessed with amputees. Yeah. Or okay. a strong sexual interest for amputees. Okay, like amputees the person or amputees the limb? The like, limb. Yeah. It can be the person, I think. I think it includes the both. Okay. So he just happened to like the limb more than the person. Yeah, he, he's he's fucked up in the head. Yeah, because it says by amputation sites in the body or the amputation itself. So it's not even the person, it's just like... Just the site of the amputation. That's awkward. Yeah. Um, Criminal Mind sucks because it actually shows the crimes against Vic. Okay, I noticed this too, which I haven't before. And I think it's because I've always watched Criminal Minds from the beginning and binged it. And, and then I watch whatever TV show and binge it. But now watching like individual episodes of each, Criminal Minds, I'm pretty sure, is like the only one that actually shows the people getting hurt. Like, to the fullest extent. Like, we watched that man chop off her arm. And I can yeah. vividly yeah. imagine other episodes of Criminal Minds that have left everlasting impre- impressions and nightmares about oh, sure. yeah. the people get hurt. They show up, like, all of them, yeah. Yeah. And I just put together that that's not normal. This is the only one mm-hmm. that does that. I've never noticed that, yeah. I just always thought it was normal, I guess, because I watch criminal minds so much yeah i was like all right this is how cop shows work but now that we're watching all these other ones that is not usually they just find the body and you don't actually see them get murdered for the most part yeah, at least really, not like, in that detail off. yeah but no we watched that man cut off her arm and it was horrible how could garcia not find anything strange on this guy this guy is like the definition of strange, I feel like. With those buggy eyes. Oh, his eyes were so freaking creepy. I don't think he ever blinked. And that's that seems like the straight sign of a serial killer right there. And then I wrote, this guy's a fucking weirdo. I'm consistent. Photos show he's surrounded by friends and family, which doesn't fit the profile. And then I said, I don't like this creepy music. But then I realized that music, that's the same music played in every Criminal Minds episode. And then I realized Criminal Minds is just creepy. And I thought it was just normal for the longest time. She's a smart girl. But that must be so hard. Oh, for her to be like, for befriending him and like, come lay down. Play the part. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I would be like, 
brave enough, yeah, calm enough that I could. Good for her thinking on her toes. Shout out to her. Malik, is this something else you're going to teach your daughter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She'll be well prepared. She just has to listen to this podcast. Oh, the anatomy professor was the first victim. That makes sense. He might like his, he might love his family. That seems to fit. Um, so the anatomy professor's girlfriend is also missing. And she has a restraining order out on her ex, who is in fact the unsub that lives on a ranch and a slaughterhouse. So I'm thinking that's where he maybe learned how to cut something. Then I wrote, God, this guy is so creepy. <laughs> Did he not look creepy? He might be the creepiest looking one we've seen so far. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the long, creepy, yes. the long greasy hair, the buggy eyes that never blinked. He never said words. Because <laughs> he's always been alone. I'm starting to think there's a reason. Kick him in the balls when you go for a walk. That's what I was thinking in my head. I was like, she needs to get out there and kick him in the balls. And then she grabbed the knife, knife, and I wrote, she's a badass. I feel like her dad trained her for this moment. He was ready, and she was ready. This guy's family sounds like the ultimate shit show. When they were like, what, his mom left him, his dad was... Or his mom was schizophrenic. I don't know. There was a whole backstory. Both his parents sucked, essentially, I think. And then I was, like, so nervous that... There's just going to show a scene of her running in the dark and him chasing her. And I was like, I'm not prepared. I'm not prepared. I'm scared. I'm scared. And then I wrote, oh, good. She got to safety. And then I wrote, I'm pretty sure splitting up on a creepy ass farm in the middle of the night is not the best tactical plan. That had to be the worst tactical plan ever. That's yeah, like do that often. Yeah. I don't know what tactical book they're reading, but. That seems like a Scooby-Doo thing. Like, hey guys, let's all split up. But in Scooby-Doo, they take a partner. They didn't even take a partner. (laughs) And then to sum it up... Well, not necessarily to sum it up, but we're close. And then I wrote, fuck that was scary. When she was at the truck and then she looked through the mirror or something and he was like right behind her. Like, saw them through the mirror. My next note says, I miss this group. They're so much fun, Malik. You have to watch it. I probably will. I really liked it. Probably my favorite show. So it has a very good storyline. Mm-hmm. And then, it, I, to end it, I said, This is why running alone is so freaking scary. Because they just grabbed that woman off the street and bought broad daylight at the end. So now we have this old yep. other thing storyline plot line that's going to go through the whole season of girls being kidnapped yeah that one that freaked me out i don't remember that part of the episode that's the part i remember the most i think but probably because i was so freaked out well and it was crazy that um kate had said i feel like this like isn't over i feel like that wasn't the only thing yeah that happened i was like oh so 
that was our first episode of Criminal Minds. We started off with a toughie on that one. And a weird one. A tough one, but a good one. And they're all pretty much weird, so. Okay. Are y'all ready for this story that I have for you that this episode was directly based on? Lay it on me. I'm going to tell you the story. It was directly based on it? Yes, directly based on it. So get ready for some more dismembering. The Mad Butcher of Kingsbury Run, a.k.a. the Cleveland Torso Killer. It was the 1930s in Cleveland. The Great Depression had had hit the city hard. 50% of the industrial workers were unemployed. Houses were being foreclosed on left and right. And shantytowns were starting to pop up everywhere. Even parts of Cleveland that were considered nice were now desolate or filled with makeshift shelters. Shantytowns, also known as Hoovervilles, were makeshift communities created by individuals that had lost their job during the Great Depression. The shanty or home would be constructed out of almost any material the person could scavenge. Cardboard, glass, lumber, tin. Some would even just dig a hole in the ground and put a makeshift roof over it to protect themselves from the weather. Shanty towns and small cities or towns would consist of a hundred shanties, but in the big cities like Cleveland, more like a thousand. Although the shanty towns were unsanitary and a health risk, most of the public sympathized with the with those living in shanty towns, so they tolerated the pop up communities, realizing that these people had nowhere else to go. Because it was the worst financial crisis in this country's history. Life was grim across the nation, but Cleveland had it especially bad. Not only were those living in the shanty towns fighting to survive poverty, they were also fighting to survive a serial killer. Dun dun dun! Uh, that had to be my best intro yet to one of these stories. I don't know about that. Oh, it was something. <laughs> Come on, you can't tell me you didn't have a picture in your head of what I was talking about. I when painted it like a brush. And you go back and edit. Just put in the the real dun dun dun. No, I'm leaving just it. Cut yourself out. <laughs> On September 5th, 1934, a man was walking along the shoreline of Lake Erie. It was going to. It was going to start getting cold out, so he was looking for driftwood to burn. He shortly spotted something that at first looked like a tree trunk, but as he got closer, he realized it was human. He had found a woman's torso with the thighs still intact, but missing the rest of her limbs and head. When the police arrived, they discovered that her body had red patches where the skin had been become leathery. This was presumably from chemical burns. 
they looked for her missing limbs um, and, the, and head in the lake, but never found anything. They searched through missing persons records to maybe find a match, but during this time, so many people were moving from the city to city in hopes of finding work. So there's a good chance no one even knew she was missing. With no way to forensically find her, her with, I mean, they didn't have DNA at the time or in the 1930s. This Jane Doe was named the Lady of the Lake, and she would never be identified. Given the victim had no clear identity, the police had no place to start their investigation. So the Lady of the Lake case went quiet. That was until one year later in late September of 1935. Two boys were playing in a vacant lot in the once pleasant and pretty area of Kingsbury Run, which had now turned into a wasteland with a shanty town on top. When one of the boys ran scampering down a hill for a ball, he came to the gruesome surprise. There laid a decapitated body. When the police came to investigate, they found another male body. Both men had been decapitated, castrated, and their bodies cleaned. The coroner determined the cause of death was decapitation, and one had been dead for a week, and the other one three to four days. So as we were talking about with the Criminal Minds episode, they were alive for it. But on the bright side, decapitation is probably a lot better than a person just going limb by limb. I would agree it's much quicker. I said, yeah, at least you'd be dead already. Clean, clean cut. The police combed the scene, but no traces of blood were found, meaning the men were killed at another location. And what do you think that indicates? Let's be investigators with this one. What do you think that means? What did you learn? What did you learn for Criminal Minds? There was no blood found at the scene, just the bodies. So what does that indicate? They were killed somewhere else. Yeah, okay, that area to kill them at. Yes, yes, they yes. Get caught. But also, dead bodies are heavier than live ones. Oh, so it has to be a fit person to be like able to carry the bodies all the way up. Because he was like, I need the answer, and you're supposed to get to it. Yeah. The killer had to be strong, is what that they put together, to have to move the bodies from one location to the other. But yes, it also indicates that there obviously had to be a second location. So we got partial credit on our, on our test question. Partial credit. I'll take it. I'm going to be asking, we're going to play investigators with this one, so put on your investigating hat and your your not microphone but what am i doing micros not a microscope what is this? a magnifying glass it's a magnifying I don't know what you're doing <laughs> it looks so weird but at last a bit of luck came as one body still had the hands attached and the police were able to identify one of the victims as 29 year old edward 
and Durasi, a person all too familiar with the police. He was involved in petty things like drug dealing and alcohol dealing because that's what they called it at the time because, you know, prohibition. Basically, he was more of a nuisance than a hard criminal. They did investigate his past, though, thinking he had had a connection to his killer, but no clear suspect was apparent. But the police were convinced his murder had to do with his illegal affairs. They had yet to connect these two bodies to the Lady of the Lake, and never will at the time. Only now is it speculated the two were by the same person. Okay, because we have to think, this is 1930s. The idea of a serial killer, like that term, was not coined until like the 70s. Or the 60s, one of them. So, they, between, like, literally, they did not think these two murders were involved. And even now, there is still some debate whether or not the Lady of the Lake is actually the first victim or if it's these two. It's just kind of speculated and most believe it to be his first victim. I mean, it would make sense. I don't know how many people's bodies are being cut up. But, yeah, so we're still not under the pressure we're looking for a serial killer yet. The next victim was found in a factory yard covered by snow in the early months of 1936. It was a woman whose remaining body parts, including half a torso thighs, an arm, and a hand had been stuffed into two baskets and wrapped in newspaper. A couple of weeks later, after the snow had melted and the rest of the the rest of her remaining parts were found except for her head. But again, thankfully, the police were able to use fingerprints to identify the the, the woman as 44-year-old Florence Geneve Polio. Like Edward, Florence had been hit hard by the depression and was known to the police by her alcohol dealings and soliciting. Also, like Edward, the police interviewed her friends and family. But again, the police were left with no leads. And still, they were not linking the murders. So again, we've got a third victim. Still don't think this is a serial killer. Three individual cases. That was until June 5th, 1936. Two boys had skipped school to go fishing. And as they were pushing through, or not pushing, passing through Kingsbury Run, they spotted a bundle of clothing under a tree. When they poked at it with their fishing rods, it revealed the heads of a man. Later, his body was found a few hundred yards away near where Edward's body was found. The police, eager to get any lead, to get any lead, printed a picture of the head in the newspaper and put it on display in the morgue. Because you could do things like that in the 1930s. Why would you do that? We needed a lead, man. We needed it bad. Put it anyone... on display. On display is a crazy like term to put for that. I don't, I don't, it just doesn't sound right to say. I mean, they literally put it, they literally put it in a glass box and set it out. Thus on display. That's disturbing. It's just, yeah, it just sounds. That's on display. (laughs) Also, 
They printed it in the newspaper. Can you imagine getting your newspaper with your morning coffee? And then, bam! Do you know this man? Um, they were confident someone would recognize this man, given his extensive tattoos. He had, like, six or seven. He had, like, a butterfly on his right shoulder. He had some flags. He had a couple on his, like, calves. On one side, he had the names Helen and Paul. So they were, like, confident, given... I mean, not only did this man have his head... He also had tattoos, so they were like, "Okay, this one, this one can be identified too." We're, we're confident, but no one came forward to identify this man, which experts suspect it's because, at the time, tattoos were primarily found on sailors, foreigners, or criminals. So, if it's a sailor, probably a drifter. Same with a foreigner, probably a drifter. So no one even knows they're missing, and. If it's a criminal, no one wants to come forward and and be like, oh, I know who that is because I'm also involved in criminal activities. So this man never was identified. Which is crazy because you have a whole body with identifying tattoos. You have someone's name tattooed on his body. That sucks. Not to be identified after someone kills you. So no one claims you. I know, and it's like, it's it's the time period, right? It's it's the nineteen, it's the lack of DNA. It's the fact that we're in the Great Depression, and no one essentially knows where anyone is at. Everyone's living in these shanty towns or drifting or grifting wherever they can. So there's not any like communication between people of like this is where I'm gonna be or. And they don't, I don't know. It's great. This time, how did they solve crimes? You can literally just disappear. I was going to ask that question after like the end of it. Once we found, once you finish the story, people can just disappear back then. I know. Just face off. Yeah, I don't know how they ever solved anything. I mean, they didn't solve this one, so it's not like we're going to get the answer from this case. I feel like the only people they caught were like just dumbasses or something. The blatant, like, oh yeah, they murdered them. Yeah. Because if you're going to be a serial killer, just do whatever you're going to do and then just move to a different state. They'll never freaking find you. Especially now, because, like, you, I mean, I don't even know if the FBI was around, like, a governing investigative body that's like, okay, if they cross state lines, we're stepping in. Um, when did the FBI uh, start? It was with Hoover. You look, yeah, or just J. Ed- Edgar Hoover. I don't know if he started it, but he was like the main, the main dude. Yeah. 1906. Oh, uh, so it was around. It was around. Maybe they just sucked. Well, I'm sure they didn't have any technology that would ever help them solve a crime. But really, this man, this killer took the hands for the fingerprints, the head with the teeth, and, you know, the face... No wonder they never identify. I mean, you would never be able to identify anybody. They were going off of fingerprints. Anyways, the story continues. Another body of a decapitated man was found in a wooded area in July. Then came, then again in September, another man's torso was found in a waterway near Kingsbury Run. 
by now, not just the police had, by now, not just the police had connected the murders together, but the press did as well. And with that came heat on, so now everyone was kind of putting together, like, what are we, like, six, seven bodies in? And everyone was kind of starting to be like, I'm starting to think this was, this, this was one guy doing it. So the press were starting to put heat on the police and the public were starting to put heat heat on the police for not making any progress on catching the butcher of Kingsbury run. They're starting to feel uneasy and safe, not knowing who is next. It was pretty clear though, that he was hunting in one area. I mean, as the name says, Kingsbury run, they were almost certain that everyone he hunted were like transients or people that lived in shanty towns because those were really the only ones that would go missing without anyone noticing them. In response to this heat, and out of sheer frustration, the coroner, A.J. Pierce, called an emergency crime clinic, what's today known as a coroner's inquest. On September 15, 1936, 30 detectives, including Peter Murillo and safety director Elliot Ness, and the press gathered to put their minds together and come up with what today we would call a profile. How would you profile this guy? What did you learn from Criminal Minds? Deranged. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't like these pop-up questions. See how I feel about your questions at the beginning? Hard. Okay. Um, kids, yeah, I have no idea. I could not be a profiler. I'll, I'll give, I'll start y'all off, okay? You would have to assume that he is, was probably from or knows the Kingsbury Run area. See, be- yes. Because he can move around without raising suspicion. Okay. Now, like, come on, guys. We were just talking about, like, the one... When it comes to mis- dismembering, the one thing that it always seems to be. It wasn't taking notes. <laughs> My mind is going blank. You know what's funny? Usually, like, I- I'm good and I'm locked in, but that's because there's no pressure of questions. Now, Kenzie threw in questions and I'm, I'm stumbling. <laughs> Kenzie, how about you answer your own question? Well, I know the answers to the question. I know, that's why I want you to... Next episode, I'm going to be ready for your ass and these questions. Okay, so we know he's probably from the Kingsbury Run area. We've already discussed one characteristic. Deranged. Okay, so he cuts the limbs off. What does that have to say about him? If he's he an acrophilia. Cut... I, I don't think that's all you say that. He's strong. He's strong. He can wield a knife and cut a human. Yeah. Hey, he's strong. Okay. We got that one. And then the most importantly, they determined he probably had some sort of. Of. What You're do you horrible mean? at charades. What? Well, I'm not charading. I'm just kind of opening the floor up. <laughs> Um, he had some sort of... What do you need to know when you cut a body? Oh, knowledge. Medical training. 
Yeah, he was. He probably had some sort of medical background, as he knew where to accurately decapitate and dismember his victims. They were clean cuts. Look at us. We're profilers. I'm gonna be ready next episode. I'm gonna have an exact profile of these mofos by the time you're asking my questions. You gonna play these games? You You need to start. (laughs) You need to start binging Criminal Minds so you can just be like, you just know it, know what to look for. Taylor binges Criminal Minds and she didn't say nothing. We already know I'm not good at being put on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) The pressure gets to me. Yeah. At the end of the clinic, one sergeant stood up and announced, Gentlemen, tonight, we're right where we were the day the first body was found. That was two years ago. So yeah, they had a profile, but that didn't get them anywhere, really. Um, Now you know his characteristics. Now you kind of know what to look for. But it's not like they had a suspect or a lead to get them to that location, to that person. But we do have an unsub. Like, do you know what unsub stands for? No, I've been waiting on you guys to tell me, or else I was going to Google it. Taylor, do you know what unsub Unknown stands? subject. I appreciate y'all educating me. Binge criminal minds and you'll learn the terminology. We're pros. We know the terminology. After this inquiry, two investigations kind of stemmed off. One was led by Peter Marullo, who, Detective Peter Marullo, I should say, who had been, who was handpicked by the chief of police and had been on the force for 17 years. He immigrated from Ukraine as a teenager, which gave him an advantage as there was suspicions the victims were foreigners and he would, he could communicate with the other foreigners living in shanty towns to gather more information maybe learn if they know who the victims are maybe learn if they know the victim's last movement things that like the other police would not have been able to gather he was also known to be blunt outspoken and a little unconventional but nevertheless successful he had a good track record he was a good detective But on the other hand, the mayor brought in the one, the only, Elliot Ness, giving him the title of Cleveland's safety director. And he was also to investigate the torso killings. Elliot Ness was born April 19, 1903 in Chicago. He graduated from the he graduated third in his class from the University of Chicago in 1925 with a degree in commerce, law, and political science. Because back then they just lumped it all together. At first, he was an investigator for the retail credit union, but in, the ni- but in 1927 he became an agent for the U.S. Treasury Department. 1928, he transferred to the Justice Department to work for the Prohibition Bureau, and this is where his stars shine. It also means that he was the worst party pooper of all times. Yes. Wasn't he, like, a part of taking down Al Capone? 
we're gonna get there. That's where his star shined. But yes, bonus points for already knowing that. Um, but also, let's go back to the fact that he hated fun by joining the Prohibition Bureau. He was a loser. Good Debbie Downer. He wasn't with the vibes, as you would say. I feel like, okay, what kind of guy at the party was he? He was like... He was the one who wasn't even drinking. He was just there. Not having fun. Like, you have the people that don't drink because they're like, I'm DDing tonight, but, like, let's party. He was the one that was like, oh, you're you're having another? Is that... Don't you think... Or he's the guy that lives next door to the party that always calls the cops because they're having fun, and he didn't get invited. Yep. That, you know what? That's probably him to a T. He never gets invited. He's like, you guys shouldn't... He's the rule follower. You guys shouldn't even be doing that, man. That's not that's not, that's on the HOA guidelines. There's some bullshit and calls the cops. The HOA guidelines. <laughs> so yeah, I feel like that's who Elliot Ness was when he went to work for the Prohibition Bureau. And as Malik ruined my punchline, he was chosen to be on the task force created to take down Al Capone. Which the team was later dubbed the Untouchables. Have you have you seen this in a movie or something? In a movie, I really don't know how I know that. To be honest with you, I just yeah, I like I told you I like random knowledge, so I guess it comes up every now and again. I also don't think I know the whole story. Like I know the name Al Capone. I know he went to Alcatraz. I know he was like this big gangster. I didn't know he was a gangster because he had so many breweries that were making millions of money. Millions of money. Um, I didn't know that either until, I mean, just recently I figured that out. Yeah, and, okay, I guess we'll get to it, but I also didn't realize he didn't go down for murder, but we'll get to it. So anyways, I'd like to do a whole Al Capone dive because I feel like I actually don't know that much about it. He ran Chicago, but he only really had booze. Which is funny, because now we're like, that's not even that big of a deal. And many people own breweries now and then can tell you they're not multimillionaires like Capone was. The media coined the, the nickname after one of Al Capone's henchmen showed up at Ness's desk, offering him $2,000 bribe, which, like, that'd be a shit ton of money now. Between now and, and then. Let's... Okay, how much money... Okay, so let me finish my... Capone showed up at Nessa's desk offering him $2,000 in bribe and $2,000 each week to stop going after Capone. How much... What's your guess on what that is in today's money? How much was it again at the time? $2,000. Okay. 40 Okay. I was going to say, like, 28. 36,000. Ooh, that was good, Malik. Yeah, nice. Malik, you're good at this. Okay, so, yeah, essentially this guy was offering him what in today would be $36,000 each week to stop punning Compone. So that's a shit ton of money right there to not do anything. Ness immediately ordered the man out of the pre- of the building and called on the press that day to announce his team 
could not be bought out, and their mission was unstoppable. In 1931, Ness succeeded and arrested Capone, and he was sentenced to 11 years for tax evasion. Which, yeah, I thought he went down for murder, and then I was like, oh, it's just tax evasion? <laughs> so, I learned a little about Al Capone there that I didn't realize I knew. Riding high from the fame of being the one to take down Capone, Ness became the chief investigator of the Chicago Prohibition Bureau. It's a huge promotion. But guess what happened after that? He got shot. No, Prohibition ended. Oh. No. So his services were no longer needed. Alcohol was legal again. He moved around a lot in the Midwest, running task forces to take down moonshiners and this and that. Which, this guy must have really hate alcohol to be like... To make this his whole, like, job career is to take down people drinking alcohol. He had it out for him. Yeah. I mean, I think it was more because, you know, like, obviously they're not paying taxes or whatever. But to me, it feels like Ness just really hated fun. He didn't get invited to one party in college and made it his whole career to get back at those that drink alcohol. He just hated the party and all the fun. He, uh, but in 1935, he was hired as the investigator in charge of the Treasury Department's Alcoholic Tax Unit in Northern Ohio. And just like that, he was in the perfect position for the Cleveland mayor to bring him in. At first, the mayor just wanted Ness to clean up the city by cleaning up the crooked police force, and he succeeded. 200 police officers were forced to resign, and 15 officials were put on trial. Ness also played a role in revitalizing traffic control in the city. At the time, Cleveland was ranked the second, ranked second as the worst city in America for traffic-related deaths, with 250 a year. Ness established a court that focused only on traffic cases. Nowadays, we would maybe call that traffic court. He also implemented a procedure on how to immediately examine suspected drunk drivers, immediately arrest, and immediately arrest them for the for those failed attempts. That failed, you know what I'm saying. He, you know, once they fail, you immediately arrest them, which I guess is not what they originally did. So, you know, he established the first drunk driving test. He said, you know what? What if we make him walk across the line? You think they'll be able to do that? A straight line? You think they, I that's... feel like that's her stupid. Do you think that's what he came up with? Obviously, they don't have breathalyzer tests yet, but do you think that's what he came up with? Probably. He's like, walk on the, the, the line that's already on the road. That'd be walk. interesting. I have to, now we have to investigate whether that was the test he created. We'll have A-Rod get on that. Do some research for us. We have a list of homework for him for missing this episode. All of this other success started pulling the press's attention away from the torso killings. They were like, look at Ness. Ness is so cool. We love Ness. He's our dude. So Ness and Marillo were on the Cleveland torso killer case. But Ness still riding the high of the spotlight from the Capone case. Okay, so let me just tell you this. This is essentially what I'm trying to get out with Ness's character. Ness took down Al Capone 
and then kind of stole the spotlight. At least that's what the FBI thought, and that's why they never wanted him. Was that he kind of was like, yeah, did it single-handedly, caught Capone. But he had, like, this team with him. And they're like, well, you weren't really the only one. And then he, like, really, like, milked it. Like, yeah, I'm so cool. Which, like, that is a big deal. He was also not the only person doing it. And what... And, I mean, we'll talk more into how, like, what he did with Capone really doesn't translate to what's about to happen with the Torso Killer. Um, because those two things aren't the same thing. One For one, they'll say, like, Ness was successful because no one knew who he was at the time. So, and in, like, Chicago, Al Capone owned everything. So he just remained low and kept his identity hidden and was able to move about the city without Capone knowing. Well, now he's this big hotshot, and now the killer is the one that's not, like, not known and moving about the city. And so the roles are reversed, and so what he learned with the Al Capone case really won't translate to how to solve a murder investigation. Okay. Um, but nevertheless, he's still riding the high of the spotlight from the Capone case created... Um, from the Capone case, he created his own team of investigators and kept Marullo out of the loop, not wanting to share his spotlight, even though Ness's background was not directly linked to criminal investigations. And guess what? What? This is when the big surprise comes. You ready? Tell me, tell me. Join us next week for part two of the Butcher of Kingsbury Run. Oh, you're gonna we're part two us. We are gonna part two us. Listen, there was a lot of information. I still like got to look into a lot. Of, there's like a lot of theories that are surrounded by this case. There's a lot of shit that goes down in politics with this case. I mean, I was like, what do I cut? It's all so interesting. I was like, you know what? This seems like a good episode to drop a part two on. We're doubling down. Doubling down. So there, there won't be a TV show to watch next week because we're just going to jump right back into the Butcher of Kingsbury run. That's beautiful. I'll do my research and be ready. No, you can't look it up. Oh. Okay. You don't get to know how this ends. Okay, I won't look it up. Okay, okay. Yeah. I'll dive deeper into what you've already told us. Yeah, but don't dive too much deeper into Ness because I dive deeper into Ness. You know what? I'll just put my feet up, and I'll wait for you to tell me the rest of the story, and I'll be ready for whatever questions you got for me. Yeah, you just need to binge-watch Criminal Minds so that you can be prepared for pro- profiling questions. Okay, I'll be ready to profile some homies. Yeah. Well, yeah. Part 2 of Kings, the Butcher of Kingsbury Run, a.k.a. the Cleveland Torso Killer. He went by both names. I can be down with that. So what do you, what do you think of this, this, how do you think Criminal Minds did based off of the real story so far, what you know? I think it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. I like Criminal Minds altogether. And then also it made me realize while I was watching the episode, if you really want to be like a serial killer, then there's a good chance. I, and I wonder how many serial killers don't get caught is my main, was my main thing. Like, I feel like there's a lot of serial killers who just never get caught. Ever. 
Probably. Yeah. I mean, Jack the Ripper. No one knows who that is. The Zodiac Killer. No clue. Mm -hmm. And there's all the ones that are just around for a, a long time before they even ever got yeah. caught. Yeah. Like what's called. The guy from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I can't remember his name. Yeah. A long time before he got caught. I mean, yeah, Bundy killed so many people before he got caught. I mean... So it just makes you think. But also, like, all of these are old-timey, right? Like, I mean, none of those are, like, modern. They're yeah. all... Before and those are the ones that I'm talking about. Like, those guys who were, like, serial killers back then, I feel like there's a lot of them who probably just... Or they were probably just chalked up to, like, random murders... And they just never got caught because they were shocked to random murders, even though they probably were connected. Yeah, because no one had this idea that another human can murder more than one person. Like, this idea of a serial killer was just not there. Like, that coin wasn't termed. No one was talking about it. Yeah, that, that creeped me out when I was thinking about it. While you were talking, I was like, man, there's probably a lot of those mofos just walking around. And no one knows. Especially, like, the older ones. At least they're old now, I guess. Oh, I know. Even now, like, I'm sure there's some that are just walking around that will never get caught. Yeah, see, those are the ones that freak me out. The ones that have, like, certain motives or, like, there's ways to connect them. They don't scare me as much, but the dudes that are just batshit crazy and they're just killing people at random, I feel like they never get caught. And that's what we kind of, like, didn't get to or what we're going to get to in part two of Kingsbury Run is that if you've noticed so far, I've talked about male and female victims. So there's really not, other than the fact that he castrated two males, but then, like, the experts speculate that he castrated them because, or, like, one of them, maybe, he was the guy that had, like, a police record. It was kind of delinquent, so, like, there's also maybe like some rumors of homosexuality, which was clearly not acceptable at the time. So they're thinking maybe it's like not sexual, like the killer didn't get some sexual arousal out of it, but maybe to punish him for his sexual deviance. But other than that, there's not like a sexual component. He's killing man and female. Yeah, I don't know, man. I'm having nightmares tonight. Oh, I know. I'm kind of. I'm okay. We're about to have to get off because I'm gonna have to go downstairs and find Dalton and and like make it feel like there's someone else in this house and turn on the lights. Good episode. <laughs> yep. All right. I don't have a TV episode to announce because you'll join us next week for part two of Kingsbury Run. I'm your host, Kenzie Huseman. This is Crime on Prime Time, and we are signing off. Later.